This is the Rich Eisen Show. You know what was another surprise to me? Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes the snap. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Rashad Bateman. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. How's your wife's uh, hands doing? Okay, the guy walked in the arena. Everybody cheered. She gave him the finger. Nobody got arrested. Earlier on the show. Eagles center Jason Kelsey. Coming up. NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. Wrestling Hall of Famer Ric Flair. Pro Football Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. I just had a great chat in our green room with Ric Flair. He is here. He is here. He is the the uh, the, the nature boy is in our green room right now. So I should also uh, mention that we're about to Zoom uh, and get some top-notch information from NFL Network uh, insider Tom Pellisaro. Right. <laughs> Hour number three, uh, Hall of Famer and um, and uh, one of the voices of Ravens Radio because we were very Bengals heavy at the top. We'll talk about the Ravens side of things in the Week 11 kickoff with Rod Woodson. Woodson. <laughs> Uh, and TJ Jefferson. Let's do this all day. What are you, you're not ready yet? You're not ready? He's not ready. He's, he's, hey, he's tying his tie. Oh, God. He's tying his tie. Oh, my goodness. You got this, TJ. You take, got it, TJ. Take, take your time. No rush. Very dude. good. Oh, no, it's all right. Take your time. Uh, let's, uh, let's. Tom Pellicero. Here. Is Tom, Tom's, is, Tom's is, checking in. He's almost checking in? Yeah. Is he working on his hand? Is he? Is he? Is he? Is he got <laughs> is a he drawing? Is he, he's got well, a, he's he, got might, a, he might have a carpal tunnel thing on. Is that a drawing? He's got his, sure. his drawing glove is on. Yeah, it's drawing glove. Right. <laughs> Get out of here. Joining us here now on the Rich Eisen Show, my colleague, uh, his usual Friday spot from the NFL Network, NFL Media Group, Tom Pelissero. Good to see you, Tom. Good to see you, Rich. What was uh, Joe Burrow wearing on his hand coming off of? Uh, uh, I guess a a team vehicle of some sort. On front Wednesday, what's going on, Tom? What was that all about? I mean, I've I've seen the same Zapruder film that you have, Rich. It <laughs> does look like it's a pretty common device that you would use if you're dealing with you know wrist pain on the the thumb side of things. Uh, I didn't even realize just kind of how much that had been sent around uh, the internet prior to Joe oh, yeah. Burrow then suffering the wrist injury and having to drop out of that game last night. I would say this. You know, the NFL every year, there's always sort of touchstone moments where whether it is a sportsmanship issue, like earlier this year when they sent the thing about pregame fights or whether it is potential manipulations of injury reports where the league says enough is enough and they punish somebody and they send a memo to everyone going, hey, if you do this now, it's going to be worse. This might be that moment uh, for the injury reports just because it looks like fairly blatant that something was going on. With his wrist here, plus it's a quarterback, it's a nationally televised game. They'll go through the normal process. They always review these, uh, but I would not be surprised if there's some type of a sanction that ends up coming down for the Bengals. What if it was really a drawing glove for an iPad? Will they want to see what he was drawing? What was he drawing, like a cat, maybe a Bengal? You know what I mean? I don't, will they want to see the actual artwork, Tom? I thought, based on the the leather jacket he was wearing with it, it might have been like a leftover Michael Jackson Halloween costume. Okay. And that was the glove that, mm-hmm. that's where I, my brain was going but ipad drawing glove yeah that's a totally normal thing it could be i don't know i don't know oh, so did we have the photograph of it i think honestly tom i mean we 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 um this the, the number of bengals fans were like you know everybody's barking up the wrong tree here um and and it would stand a reason why zach taylor's like yeah the, the first i heard about it was when he got hurt on the field 
Um, but you could see it does actually look quite a bit like the uh, like the glove that he was wearing coming off the bus, Tom, to be straight up with and it. Cer- certainly could be. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out. That's why the legal review all the practice reports and the medical reports and photos and videos and and everything else here. But again, if they in fact find that there was any type of a, a violation of any pre-existing injury, then I would not be surprised at all if this ends up being that moment where they decide to send a message by punishing somebody. Tom Pelissero here on the Rich Eisen Show. And let's get to what he is actually suffering from right now. What is it? Zach Taylor called it a wrist sprain, uh, not believed to be anything that's broken, but obviously it was sufficient that it impacted his ability even to to grasp the football. I mean, I was struck by, Rich, the, the image on the sideline of him just trying to even, you know, cock the ball back and throw it. It's like the ball comes loose before he could even begin to bring the arm forward. You know, that would tell you that he's dealing with something uh, significant enough here that he was not going to be able to go back into that game. So at this point, I would fairly say that people are bracing for this to be something that keeps Joe Burrow out for at least a little bit of time here. We also know that Joe Burrow, his competitive nature, how he handles his body, the way that he pushed through the calf, that if there's a way physically possible for him to tape it up or wear a brace or wear his iPad drawing glove on the field, whatever it might be, then he's going to go ahead and do that. I, I don't put anything past Joe Burrow here, but again, he was getting an MRI. I think that already happened this morning here. He's, you're always going to go out and get second opinions on t- things like this. And the fact they played it Thursday night gives him a little bit more time here to kind of go through that process and try to make some final determinations over the weekend. And the other conversation to be had coming out of the games involving the league and those uh, certainly on the competition committee uh, involves the dreaded hip drop tackle that we saw uh, used by Logan Wilson, who was a one-man wrecking crew against the Ravens last night. Um, and, uh, and, and Mark Andrews is out for the season with an ankle injury. What is, the, what is the status of this conversation, and do you think last night's game will fuel any more talk about getting this out of the game? Anytime you have something this high profile, it's bound to drive the conversation a little bit because the competition committee is made up of coaches and there's front office people and there's different conversations and you know they see the same things that we do you know last year the competition committee considered this and part of the conversation there was the nfl players association publicly and privately was against banning that particular tackle and that's based on a couple of things one is enforceability which is you can look at the tackle on mark andrews and say okay that's a blatant dangerous type of tackle this is what the league's been talking about with the far higher injury rate then you look at the same player logan wilson who tackles lamar jackson at the sideline and that's kind of like a half hip drop tackle lamar's uh ankle ends up getting trapped under it he's limping around in the game you know we'll find out if that's a you know a high ankle sprain or something he's going to be able to work his way through here but you know that play okay one is clear black and white the one on the sideline is much closer do you so do you want to have officials then throwing flags for that, do we want to introduce another thing that they're supposed to be looking for? So that's one of the reasons the PA was against it. The second reason was because the reason that you have more of these uh, techniques in terms of wrapping up, for instance, around the waist and pulling a player down is because you can't go up higher. You can't do a lot of the traditional tackling techniques, even though they may not have been safe, but anything that involves lowering the shoulder, lowering the helmet, you run the risk of getting penalized for use of helmet or more likely being fined for it. So there's certainly, I think we all look at that play, Rich, and say, 
we don't want that in the game. I mean, you can see it's high ankle sprains and it's snapped ankles. And in Mark Andrews' case, it may well have been both. We don't want to have those types of injuries occur. But there is another side of this, and it's notable that the body, the union that is there to protect the players was actually against outlawing this. They're going to have to find a way if they are going to ban it to create language that is clear for officials to actually be able to officiate this and not add one more thing, Rich, that we all sit back, watch on TV and go, well, that looked like that might have been. Was this the you want to eliminate all the ambiguity you can? Tom Pelissero here on the Rich Eisen Show, and I'll bring up this subject matter with Rod Woodson, an all pro, uh, all world Hall of Fame uh, defender later on in the program. Um, let's hit the Cleveland Browns here. Why DTR? What was their thought process to go with Dorian Thompson Robinson here? Tom. Well, the thought all along, Rich, was that Dorian Thompson Robinson going into the season was going to be the number two quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. That's why they traded away Josh Dobbs when they did late in the preseason was because they felt like DTR had earned the role. So, you know, why now versus PJ Walker? There were some giveaways that PJ Walker had. There was the one in Seattle where you're just hoping, hey, we got a really good defense. We can run the football. Just don't put us in those spots. Even the game that PJ Walker won the first one, in place of Deshaun Watson, he made a throw late in that game that should have been picked off and probably could have cost them the game. They want to make sure they're, number one, giving DTR that opportunity, but number two, playing the guy who's not going to allow the quarterback position to lose the games. You go back to the evaluation of DTR coming out of UCLA. He had played like 50 games in college, one of those COVID guys who had the extra year and you know started. He broke every record, because he, you know, part because he played so many games, but also because he was a really good quarterback. The reason that he slid down was not about talent. He went in the fifth round because there were a lot of things, particularly going back to his junior year at UCLA, where it was maturity, it was this guy is all caught up in social media. He's not the type of leader we want in the program. For everything that was said about him prior to that in 2022, everybody said he actually improved as a passer. He improved as a leader, his maturity, all that in 2022. The Browns were willing to take the chance on that. Well, now you get into this spot. He does bring some different things to the table. I talked to Amari Cooper about it yesterday. He said, hey, you know, we know he can run. We know he can sling it but he's still a young player. That's what the Browns are getting here. Figure out, you know that, okay, the floor might be really low. You saw it when he started very last minute, but let's give him a full week of reps, a full week to understand you're going to be the guy, design a game plan about what you do best, and maybe there's more upside that can help this team as the Browns try to make a playoff push. What's your two cents on the move to bounce Ken Dorsey and put in Joe Brady and what it means, Tom? There were a lot of layers to that, and I think you saw a lot of those, Rich, kind of come out over the past several days here, whether it was Josh Allen talking about how much Ken Dorsey meant to him and how much it hurt. Joe Brady, his interim replacement, saying, I'm only here because of Ken Dorsey, and I love that guy to death. Sean McDermott did something that you don't always hear, which is you know, he kind of pulled back the curtain. He said the quiet part out loud when he was addressing reporters uh, later on Tuesday, hours after making that move. And he was repeatedly asked, why? Why did you have to do this? And he said, we're going to be back in that locker room in the stadium in five days. And I need players to walk in there knowing something has changed. That's a pretty direct way of saying we can't cut all the players who are dropping footballs and fumbling. We're not going to cut the quarterback who is missing guys who are open around the field. And this is a player like Josh Allen. The one thing you can do at this stage in the season on a team that you still feel is a contender is to try to create a sea change is move on from the guy 
calling the plays. And Ken Dorsey, you know, he was respected. He was really liked by players. He's meticulous. He is super smart. There are probably times where, like a lot of young coaches, he doesn't necessarily see the big picture in things in terms of how his offense is playing to the other strengths of the team, the game flow and things like that. But this was not a strict Ken Dorsey issue. If you go back to that game in Buffalo on Monday night, Rich, I find myself asking that next day, if they don't give up those two big passes when you got zero blitz on, and if they don't have a 12th man on the field goal and they just win the game by a point, are you still moving on from Ken Dorsey? This was reactionary. I think that that's objectively true, but it's also a reaction Sean McDermott felt that he had to make. There just was not a lot of energy and juice in that offense. They're hoping Joe Brady is going to give it, and I'll be fascinated to see given how Joe Brady you know, all that was said about him coming out of LSU, how smart he was. Remember, he interviewed Rich for like five head coaching jobs. Right. In the first year in Carolina, even though they weren't good on offense, that rule was really involved in that scheme all the way down to what a play is called and things like that. Eventually, Matt Rule coming back from the bye week, fired Joe Brady. If Sean McDermott is a little bit more hands-off and lets Joe Brady go to work, I'm interested to see what this offense will look like. Yeah, Brady was the hottest coordinator on the market coming off of the Joe Burrow 60-touchdown season, you know, and he wound up in Carolina, and we were all in the media saying, great hire by Matt Rule, and here they go, and we all know uh, what's happened since then. So I'll ask you the question I've been asking a whole bunch of others this week. What is your interpretation of Trevon Diggs's tweet during the game involving his brother and referring to him by his uniform number needing to get up out of there? What do you make of that one? I would say this, Rich, uh, the Diggs brothers have mastered the art of saying things that are just cryptic enough on social media <laughs> that they're going to get a lot of attention. And this wasn't even all that cryptic. This was 14 needs to get up out of there and saying, you know, the quarterback didn't go off until Diggs got there. You know, those guys, they, they do like to stir it up. Trayvon's got a lot of time on his hands because he's rehabbing from that uh, torn ACL that he suffered earlier this season. But it, it's a storyline. Listen, I was sitting in that seat, Rich. Um, with the boys, hey, what's up to the fellas in studio? Hey, Don't uh, me. Uh, I always know. Yep, my but man. we were there. I was there this summer when Diggs, member wasn't out there the first day of minicamp, and you had this really weird sequence of events where McDermott was explaining things one way, then he had to come back, and then his agent countered all that, and then McDermott had to correct the record. There's been something going on there. The reality was, though, the Bills were never going to trade Stephon Diggs. They couldn't. The cap implications, even if they wanted to, were so great, and he's also quite frankly, one of your best players. And you need Stephon Diggs on that team right now. I, I got no doubt that Diggs is frustrated. He's an all-time competitor. Um, his heart is in a good place. But he, he likes a little bit of the drama sometimes. His brother's stirring it up. I wouldn't expect him to shy away from it. But these sides are together through the course of this season. They got to do their best to try to make a run here. You know, whether they do or they don't, we'll be talking about Stephon Diggs again come February and March. Tom, you the man. Greatly appreciate it. Um, go back to the insiders uh, on NFL Network and NFL Plus, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Appreciate the time. Sounds great, Rich. Thanks. You got it. That's Tom Pelissero right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Hmm. You got that Josh Allen soundbite we didn't play yesterday? Please go grab it if you don't mind. Because, again, th this is – we could sit here and speculate, you know, what McDermott is putting all out there on the line. I mean, Marshall Falk on what the football said it was, you know, desperate because he got rid of 
He was the first one on that on the podcast, by the way, with Susie Schuster, Amy Trask. Get it? We're all podcasts are acquired. He's the first one to basically say, well, he got rid of Leslie Frazier last year. And I, when I heard that on What the Football, I'm like, that's right. That's why he's walking around the hallways of NFL Network right now. And so he got rid of the D.C., got rid of the O.C. I believe Albert Breer in yesterday's show called it. He's the uh, Will Smith GIF, and he wasn't referring to the Oscars. He was referring to him at the end of Fresh Prince walking yeah, into the empty living ev- room. Ev- right. Everyone's moved around. out. Like, like I'm, nope. I'm the last one here. Uh, and so we could sit there and say McDermott's now placed himself. There's no one else. Like if he says that he wanted everyone in that building to know in five days when they walk back in or whatever that something's changed, maybe the Pagulas will wind up feeling that way about him. If this doesn't work out and the, if this doesn't work out is if there is no improvement in the offense and let's just be straight up, Josh Allen throwing 11 interceptions, one more than Mac Jones on the year is a large part of it. And it's not always him, right? This is kind of like the conversation TJ, we had about Dak last year, right? Like one last week, he threw one terrible one, Allen. And then he threw one that went off of Gabe Davis's hands which is on his sheet. All right. Bottom line, it really is how is Josh Allen going to improve? Period. End of story. How is he going to attack this day? And this was what he had to say about the firing of Ken Dorsey. And uh, I I find it uh, an interesting soundbite. Let's hit it, please. You mentioned a little bit feeling like if you guys had played better, Ken Dorsey would still have his job. I mean, that's that's without a doubt, um, you know, and I take that very personally, you know, I um, it hurts. It hurts a lot to, to see someone you care about um, go through a situation like that and to know that, you know, if, if I could have done more, if this offense could have done more, we wouldn't have had to do something like that. So, um, again, it's an unfortunate series of events that have led up to it and um, but again, like as much as you can sit here and feel sorry for yourself and you can sulk on what's going on, we got a game to prepare for and it's four days away. So we can't pay too much attention to it. We got to focus on, on what we can control. And that's our attitude and efforts every time we step on this field and practice and walkthroughs and meetings and make sure that we're, we're going to be prepared to go come Sunday. I mean, attaboy. Uh, that, that is a, I mean, talk about an honest answer, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. I, I think about it, it hurts because if we did play better, but, you know, we have a job to do and they got to win. And you can't sit around and dwell on it. I thought that was a, such a it's such a revealing soundbite and a very clearly, um, you know, emotionally aware individual, which is what you need um, for a quarterback. We just need to get that Mandalorian guy back. Remember that's how I started referring to him? Yep. We need that guy back. We need that guy who was moving the offense crisply. As soon as the play was over, here he comes again, and he's going to be difficult to sack. He's going to extend the play, and he's going to jam it right down your throat with his arm and with his legs, and we need to see that guy back. The question is, is he physically ready to do it? Is he is he physically, you know, 100% enough to do it? And if I'm Joe Brady... Uh, that's what I'm going to try and do. 
And, you know, certainly if the coach is going to let him be, all this stuff of just be careful, slide and all that, of course you need to slide, but let's get Josh Allen just running down people's throats. Actual running plays for Allen again. And then when you get that mojo back, then you can do other stuff. Yeah, that's Mike Hoskins, our Bill's loving, coordinating producer, dialing up him, leaping over people. That's the Allen we need to see. And I think that's the Allen the rest of his team will respond to. And give me at least three to four touches in the first drive of number 14. Get him going. That's what I would do. Now, obviously, the defense that he's playing against this week knows it and is really ready to prevent it. What a big game this is. But I just thought it was such an emotionally aware thing for him to say. You know, But, but Rich, wasn't at the beginning of the season, Chris also, you know, at the end of last season, didn't people all say that Josh Allen shouldn't do as much running? No, he I know that. And I know that that was what it was coming in. That's jumps. exactly right. And I was saying that they fixed that problem because they got Latavius Murray and they got Damian Harris and they got Dalton Kincaid. And it took Dalton Kincaid half a season, as it happens with rookies, to start getting that guy done. And then that now, you know, Harris is gout. We're, we're, you know, let's let's see Fournette, right? Yeah. And so, uh, be that as it may, didn't work. Scrap it. So go back to OC out, new OC in. Let's see it. Let's go. What do you got to lose here, except the season, and then maybe the HC his gig. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Here comes Ric Flair in studio. Let's do it. Woo! Don't you dare move. He showed me a text back there that is lit. I can't wait to talk to him about it. (laughs) Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, 
helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Tonight, live on TNT, AEW Collision and AEW Full Gear takes place this Saturday night live on pay-per-view. Both events emanate live from the Kia Forum in Los Angeles, California, just up the road from NFL Network, as a matter of fact. That's right. The great, brilliant nature boy himself, Rick Flair, is here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's go. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> this is great, isn't it? This is great. To TJ, is you, what are you wearing right now, TJ? What are well, you wearing right well, now? Well, you know, I had to get a, my suit from Michael's in Kansas City. I had to get <laughs> that shipped up because the nature boy was in town. And of course, I should have really gotten tricked out for you to do that. You look great. Your presence is, is enough, sir. Yes, indeed. So you're going to be at the Kia Forum, obviously, yes. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be involved in all yes. that? Hope so. Of course you will. You know exactly what you're just playing the game. Man. Do you know what you're going to say right now? Do you know what you're going to say right now? Or it just comes no, off the know. dome? I don't know. just comes off the dome. It, well, that's, that used to, but now they prefer to. You know, make sure that I understand the script, Rick. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> there's something you can't say that you used to say in the 80s. A little too much nature? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Oh, you're moving way too fast, Rick. <laughs> and then you got your energy drink, the official energy drink, energy drink of AEW. And what's it called, Rick? What's it called? Woo energy. Woo! <laughs> Mushroom infused. <laughs> <laughs> the healthy mushrooms. <laughs> the healthy mushrooms, of course. Shiitake. Have you go all night long? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not really a mushroom guy. Uh, again, it's for all elite wrestling taking place tonight on TNT and AEW Full Gear, uh, a pay-per-view event on Saturday night. We had Tony Khan here a few months ago, and we're big AEW fans here on the Rich Eisen Show. Couldn't be more excited to have Rick Flair, Nature Boy, here on this program as we're back with our radio audience now on the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by as Rick Flair, Nature Boy, has done. It is really great to see you. Uh, how, how, how did Woo come about for the first time? What's the origin of that, Rick? It, it's just driving down the road one night listening to Jerry Lewis back in the 70s. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire, woo. That was yeah, it? That, that, that kind of inspired me. Yeah, I was a big fan of his. And uh, that's back in the 70s. We used to drive 3,000 miles a week, you know, town to town. Sure. And um, I just started saying it in 1974, and it stuck. So thank, you, thank God. Do you remember the first time you used it? And It would have been in a promo in 74. Okay. At Jim Crocker Promotions. Okay. And did somebody just say, you got to keep that? Or you just No, decided? I just caught on. And then it, now it's like... Everybody in the world's doing it, and I'm not getting paid enough. Well, <laughs> it's, it's trademarked. I mean, you must walk down the street and just hear it. Right? Yeah, I do. Thank God. What's the strangest place you've had somebody scream that to you? <laughs> oh God, they're screaming everywhere. I mean, like where? Church, bathrooms? Where? Oh, where? Not, where not, not at church, but maybe outside of church. But bathrooms for sure. Oh, Rick Flair's in the bathroom. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> Excuse Somebody me, makes a boom boom and behind the door they're screaming, Woo. Nah, I'm not going to make shake your hand and we get out of here, okay? <laughs> Jesus. It's unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fantastic. And so, uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you remember most of those early days in your career, Rick? Oh, just 
you know, the thing that it's like I've found it again here just the day I walk in here, it's a camaraderie. I, I just love being with the guys. Mm-hmm. I, it's 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 almost like a disease with me. I mean, I, um, I just like being with the guys, and I'm the, I, I like I like going in front of a live audience. I like you know, mm-hmm. it's like um, now I'm right back in the same business where. Just like you, you wait every day. I don't know how how hard you sit on it, because you have people to handle it for you. But you just want to know the rating. Mm-hmm. You want to know what your quarter hour did. I mean, it's oh, is that it's, right? it's back in the race. Yeah. Yeah. So at five o'clock, uh, what you know, whatever day I'm on, on the next day, like I've been doing my whole life, mm-hmm. five o'clock, looking for the rating. What did my quarter hour do? I mean, it's you know, it's competition. What's your favorite place you performed in? Where you love it more than most, Ric Flair. Yeah, you know, I, I like. There've been so many great cities. I used to wrestle at the Forum out here and run into uh, Kareem and Magic and all those guys. And yeah. I mean, James Worthy grew up in my in, in, in Charlotte, basically. Yeah. Um, I liked it out here. Chicago was great. Atlanta's great. Yes. Of course, North Carolina. I mean, that's where I was for forty-two years. Anywhere there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando's great. I mean, it's hard to pick one out. Mm-hmm. Overseas, of course, I like to- Tokyo and uh, London, Birmingham are great. Yeah, uh, Sydney and uh, and uh, you've all been all over the yeah, world. Yeah, Auckland, New Zealand, name it. TJ is one of your hugest fans, and I always Thank do you. this. TJ, go for it. Ask Ric Flair a question. You know, it's go like how, how do you come up with a single question? Ask well, someone who's to. been in your life since you know I was ten years old. You yeah. know, and Saturday nights at six oh five, Rick. That was. Thank that you. was it for me and my, and my grandfather. Yeah. But you we know, did that. We did that at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, I, I've at, read that. After, yes. after coming on a buckhead. <laughs> what do you mean? So you you really so we taped that show at eight o'clock in the morning. We were, we were working. We were working in a venue somewhere when it was airing. Yeah, that night. So, I mean, Rick, at what point? And you know, I've, I've read your book multiple times. I've seen the documentaries, things of that nature. Uh, but when did you know? Do you remember the point when you were like, okay, I got this now? I the sec- this the out. second time I won the world title. So from Harley at um, yeah, Starcade? Yeah, at Starcade, yeah. The first time I won it, I thought I knew it all. Boy, would I find out. Because I, I, you know, I'd been wrestling really good wrestlers mm-hmm. in the Mid Atlantic area, like top guys. And when I won the world championship, and I started traveling around where the guys weren't nearly as experienced, some weren't as experienced as I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to wrestle an hour every night, which we did back then. And it, I, I just learned real fast that I had a lot to learn. But second time around, I was ready, and I was ready you know, be, be prepared for you know, whatever situation arose. And then um, from there, but just, yeah, I, just, I just rock and rolled. Once I found my groove, which I, th- I think it's the same way with anybody, whether you're in medicine or in broadcasting, you yeah. find your groove. And yeah. I mean... Look, Rick, look at Rich Eisen. I mean, I've, I've wanted to be on your show forever. Oh, stop, Rick! No, I swear. I saw my daughter on it. My, my daughter, my daughter, you know, Rich Eisen. I'm not. I was across the street with the Migos, and you had her in Miami at the That's Super right. Bowl. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I come ask you, what are you doing with Rich Eisen? <laughs> we heard you're in town. We're like, you, Rick Flair's in town. You want him on Friday? Uh, I mean, how quickly? Would, that was a snap. Yes. That was- Absolutely. That was a, that was a snap, yes, for a, sure. Even a faster snap for me, yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So uh, I, I'd love for you to tell me a story about somebody that you, you you know you wrestled with or you got to know through another legend 
who affected you or became a friend of yours or somebody from... Well, the guy that... The, the the guy, guy. The, one of the reasons I'm back here now with AEW is that uh, my friend Sting, mm -hmm. legendary Sting, I'm sure TJ of course. knows Sting, right, in our history, is, is retiring. And I'm going to be part of the journey till he retires. It's either in March or April. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm just part of the journey along the way with him. And then... Um, Whatever transpires after that, like Pedro Morales, remember that name, Pedro? Sure. Uh -huh. I, I ready for any kind of action. <laughs> <laughs> you got an Andre the Giant story? You got yeah, I got it. Know, I traveled with Andre. I drove him around. Um, what do you mean you drove him around? He, well, he started in Minneapolis. Okay. He, you know, he came from France to Montreal. Montreal, he came to Minneapolis mm -hmm. and trained with Vern Gagne when I was there. Mm -hmm. So Vern had me driving him around when he was just... John Ferrer. It wasn't Andre the Giant yet, right? Right. And so uh, he just stuffed himself into this front uh, seat. Yeah, yeah, in the back seat. <laughs> oh, back seat. Yeah, but I just drove him like Chicago and that. I took him out on Rush Street. It was a great, it was a great time. What in the world is that like? Ric yeah, Flair I, taking I, Andre the Giant on Rush Street. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! I have <laughs> I have been on a 747 with him, Rich. Mm -hmm. I've the two most famous stories, and I know I know that. That aside from him, we've got what 300 passengers, right? Mm -hmm. he, but he drank every bottle of vodka on the plane <laughs> on a 747 <laughs> going to Tokyo. Every mini bottle on the plane. I mean, I know other people are drinking it too, but let's get serious. Who runs out of vodka, right? And then it would switch to something else. What does a mini bottle look like in Andre the Giant's hands? <laughs> yeah, I know, but they, you know, you know <laughs> they normally don't do that, but they used to give you mini bottles and you'd pour sure, your of own course. drink. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, you know, unbelievable size, size 24 ring. Um, and then I was with him one night at the downtown or in Charlotte in 74 when he, uh, 75, when he drank 106 beers. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Who counted? You counted? Well, no, no, here's what happened is it was getting, it was so ridiculous. He could one, one after another, right? And he was with Frank Fouat, myself and a guy named Ivan Koloff. Mm -hmm. And we were there drinking and he just, pretty soon the bartender just said, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not believing this. I just told him, he said, let me separate this out because <laughs> Andre was drinking one beer and everybody else was drinking. I think he was drinking like regular Miller, not Miller Lake, wasn't okay. around then. And we were drinking something else. Um, mm -hmm. So we, he just separated out. And Frank Vallois drank 56, <gasps> his, his manager at the time. Mm -hmm. And Andre drank 106. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of bottles yeah, on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's from, oh, like, that, that's from 10 o'clock until like 4 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, listen, guys, I've. He could go. <laughs> he could go. And, you, and you could go, Rick. Like, like, you yeah, know I, I mean? could go too. I mean, but I was not, not, I can't hold that much beer. I can hold a lot of liquor. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Rick Flair here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, let's get into it. Perfect day for you to be here because all of us Harbaugh lovers, we got a band together, man. Yes. <laughs> How'd you meet Jim? How'd you meet Jim? I met Jim in 1989. He came to watch me wrestle with Brad Muster and. Uh, okay. Uh, at 89, he was playing quarterback for the Bears, and he came to Chicago Chi-Town Heat. So you've known him, him forever. That, you I, go I met, way back. I, I met him that night, right? And then he had me come. Um, it was a, just a strange moment. He called the WWE and wanted me to come and talk to the 49ers prior to the Green Bay game. Mm -hmm. And nobody was supposed to know, right? So now my friend Kevin Green, who has passed away but yes. in the Hall of Fame, is a linebacker coach. And he, he, he called me and said, I heard you're in Green Bay. So what are you doing here? I said, I'm thinking about coming to the game. And then 
And then, of course, the, the word got out that I gave him that pep talk and all, it made national news. Steve Smith <laughs> burned, burned my, or took my robe and tore it up. But, but Steve got mad because uh, sure. it was going, like I was going against the Panthers, right? Yeah. And then, right. Uh, God. But uh, Kevin Green texted me to say it's not so. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's Kevin, but it's just my job. The WWE sent me. So it wasn't personal, and, and Kevin wasn't really mad, but it was um, one of those deals that just, you know, in an awkward position to be in. Sure, but but Harbaugh's your guy. You go back yeah, and, Yeah, I know, you God. Know. I love him. I just went and saw him uh, yeah, literally a week and a half How ago. How was he? Great. That game face on. Okay. His assistant said, it's the happiest I've seen him in four days. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been tough. I mean, I'm just, I'm just so disappointed. Because if you know Jim Harbaugh, if you know it, his family, his brother, I mean, right. they're, they're, Jack, just a quality guy. And I'm glad John won last night. It just, right. And these people just, and it's, it's like a witch hunt. I mean, I don't get, I don't know. And I don't want him to leave Michigan, but I wouldn't blame him at all if he did. Well, I mean, just to get out of the scrutiny, my God. Yeah, but I mean, scrutiny is going to, scrutiny finds him everywhere. Yeah. You know, no matter could be where he is. Kid, he's good. Well, I, 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 I don't want him to leave. Well, I, don't want, I don't want him to either, I mean, the but, kids the kids on this program right now, Rick, they're, yeah. they're as great as they've ever yeah, I know. been. And it's I don't want to hear. I mean, obviously, what was going on with this ticket, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, whatever the scheme was going on for scouting, in-person scouting and whatever, the kids are, he's put together an outstanding team. Unbelievable team. team. Right. So that's the way I'm looking you know, at they're it. They're going to spank everybody on the way through. I hope they spank up spanking Georgia. I'll be Paul fine on, on the sidelines. Me on one sideline and him on the other. <laughs> no, hold on. let's talk about this because you showed me this in the green room. So Feinbaum texted you. Is it what you're saying? I, okay, so Rick? I tweeted. I tweeted. He, he. What happened was, it was on uh, either get up or first take, right? Yeah, uh-huh. So they brought up Feinbaum, Paul, who I know, and you used to, when he when he first had me on the show was. Well, we have the great Ric Flair, not so much anymore. So he he is actually jousting with um, Desmond. Desmond. Yeah. And I mean, and, and he goes, I mean, he literally, I was a big, like, well, we won the Big Ten twice. He said, oh, in the Southeast Conference, we didn't count a Big Ten championship. I mean, what? it's an insult to the old Big Ten. I mean, really, mm-hmm. he, he shouldn't be allowed to drive into any state with a Big Ten school. Mm-hmm. Who says that? I mean, he's jousting like he knows more about the football than than uh, Desmond Howard, the guy right. that won the Heisman Trophy. Remember, like you I, know, I hear you and MVP, and uh, yeah. it's unbelievable. So I I tweeted out, "Got to be kidding me!" A non-athletic analyst from the Southeast Conference jousting with Desmond Howard? I don't think so. Shame on you. <laughs> he would. He sent me a note. <laughs> He took it personal. He, he, you know, he sent you a note saying uh, that uh, uh, basically it said, "Hi, uh, um, Paul Feinbaum here. Um, so sorry that you've lost so many fans in the South." Okay, I don't know where that, but um, I'll go. I just said you're embracing Harbaugh and, 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 and embracing Harbaugh and. Ditchy and Kirby Smart. I go, okay, that made a lot of sense. Wow. So I, I just said, you know, all I took to text back was, well, 
Apparently not everybody agrees, sir. Well, speaking as it's somebody unathletic, you know, we should be able to say whatever we want to say. Yeah. Just to, I just got to sp- push back for those, you know, follically <laughs> challenged unathletic people in front of a microphone. No, but no, said, I'm just saying. But that said, you know, I, I, he's, he's, does he have your number or he got yeah, it? I've been on his show. I'm, I'm his friend. Okay. Yeah, I was. <laughs> no, but I didn't mean, it wasn't about being athletic, but okay. I mean, he, he literally was insulting you know, you, you, I've never seen, I watch your show religiously. I've never seen you talk. Uh-huh. If, if, if Desmond Howard was sitting here, would you actually argue with him about football? No, I wouldn't. Thank you. That's why, that's why you're successful. And look at this. This is, this is better than Joe Rogan's lay, layout here, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not here, this is a great spot. This is, these, very, these headquarters are beautiful. I, I mean, appreciate tricked that. out. Thank you. And so happy for your success. On the biggest hill, on the biggest side of town. In the biggest backyard. Would you mind? Yeah. Would you mind um, doing us the favor of cutting a Rich Eisen show promo? I absolutely will. Would you do it like right now? Yep. Can you do it yep. right now? If I just sit, set it up yep. like Ric Flair. Yep. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. We're ready. Ric Flair, a promo for the Rich Eisen this show. This is the Ned Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Live from Rich Eisen Studio in LA. Looking as only I can look. Praising the great Rich Eisen, the man, the myth, the legend, the limousine riding, I'm sure of it, private jet flying, (laughs) kiss-stealing, willing-dealing, son of a gun that owns the airways every time he opens his mouth. Woo! Rich Eisen. <laughs> yes, that's it. We were talking about it beforehand. Like you know, Shut we got to get. Yeah, Rich was like, "Should we write something?" I'm write like, something? "Rick, don't need no writers." <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's gosh. the best there is. So one, uh, th- one take nature. Uh, of course. The <laughs> Woo Energy Drink can be found at wait, I, it's WooEnergy.com. Woo! But hold on a minute. I gotta make sure everyone knows it. There's five O's in Woo Energy, so it's W5O'sEnergy.com. Yeah, and and by the way, it's the official drink of the Michigan Wolverines. Now I know. Everybody <laughs> thought know. it was because of yeah. the you know the signs and whatever. Now yeah, I know yeah, what's going yeah, yeah. on. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming in here, Rick. Thank you, you honored. sir. Uh, please stop, man. Uh, yeah, we are. No, I was, I was so upset that my daughter was on your show and I wasn't. Well, <laughs> I said, now it's we're tied at one apiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wherever you are, I finally made it to the big time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and there's a race to break the tie. Charlotte, excuse me, Charlotte. AEW Collision takes place tonight on TNT. AEW Full Gear takes place Saturday. On pay-per-view, both events coming from the Kia Forum in Los Angeles, California. The great Nick Flair, uh, Rick Flair, Nature Boy. Great to see you, Rick Flair. Thank you. Another man. Thank you. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We're back with more in a moment. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is 
unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung. And that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. What could you do? Like, what's the move that you could actually oh, perform? Oh man, right you know now? what? I can kick a guy in the nuts without actually kicking him in the nuts. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna pass to on that. Hold on a minute. <laughs> no, it's my party trick. I guarantee I won't hurt you. So, is this? A, is this? I'll a, take my pain tickers off. Could this be sanctioned? Can she try to? Yeah. Kick? Okay. Let's see. Who would Who would volunteer oh. for this work? Come on, because... you just have to spread your legs. <laughs> Okay. And wish for the best. Mike, Del Tufo. I mean, okay. uh, we'll, yes. we'll both do it. We'll both do it. Okay. What are we about to attempt to do right here? Kick him in the nuts. Without actually Kick hurting him. him. Yeah, exactly. But you do, you will make contact. I'll make contact, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but you will not hurt him. No. Well, it doesn't matter. You have no desire to have children anyway. No, I'm good. Yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, WWE <laughs> Superstar Page. Uh, we'll see. Do we have, do we have a, go ahead and hit it there, Jay. Here we go. All right, spread them for me. Okay, ready? If I was you, I'd pull your shorts up a little bit just so I can... Have a bullseye. You there know we go. Got it. Jeez. Right, right. <laughs> this is great. We'll is see it? if this works I think, like, or not. She's laughing. I don't know. Ball. I know. All right, Paige, have at Ready? it. Superstar Paige. Here we go. <laughs> 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 there we no go. Contact. I just slapped him no on the butt. No contact. <laughs> yeah. You're up next. That was a good right. slap yeah. on this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Chris is up next. Right. Uh oh. Ready? Spread him. You're the, you're the one who was making fun of her. So there we go. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it just hurts on your butt. I'm Are sorry. you serious? Are you serious, Chris? Oh, I'm selling it! Oh! Chris yeah. McMahon, take yeah. note! Yeah. All right, fight with my family. <laughs> fight with my family. Go check it out. Okay. It was like. <laughs> well done. Fantastic. Ah, yes. We've been all over the wrestling world for the last several years, huh? Yeah. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, you could stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone, everybody. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app, 
by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on your Westwood One affiliate station's digital platforms. Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner with the call, certainly this Monday night from Kansas City, and then me in the Monday Night Football studio all season long for free. And get in the zone with AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. All right. I am completely biased when it comes to sideline reporters. I'm married to one. I remember the times when Suze was doing the um, Sunday, the Saturday games on ABC, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the college football games. Tarico was in the booth. um, And, uh, you know, um, there were a handful of other analysts that she was working with, too. She worked with Gary Thorne. She worked with some great announcers and Suze would would be on the phone all week long learning about players and their stories that's how we first met Sean Merriman she covered Sean Merriman's story at Maryland and got to know him and got like photographs from his mom and all that stuff and then it would be somewhat frustrating for her to be straight up with you about um, how she wouldn't get on the air sometimes and tell these stories that she was ready to tell because the game cadence didn't call for it and then frequently, you know, it would be boiled down to, is somebody hurt or not? Remember one time she called a game in Colorado, Colorado, Nebraska. There was a fight going on in the stands, <laughs> you know? I mean, she did it all, and it was just hard work, and she would fly out on a Wednesday and travel through 15 different small airports to get to places, and then, but she loved it. My God, did she love it, because she loved the storytelling, and she loved the reporting, and she loved all of it, and she, she was great at it, you know? And you now we're seeing her here, obviously, in this chair. And the reason why I say it is I'm biased, and I'm living with one very pissed-off sideline reporter right now based on what Carissa Thompson said on the uh, Pardon My Take podcast. Now, I first met Carissa when she was in the dues-paying part of her career. She was in the middle. She would be sitting there in the middle of the night at NFL Network doing updates and just sitting there doing nothing. And then, obviously, we've seen what she's gone on to do. And, you know, her saying to uh, Big Cat and, and PFT that she uh, sometimes, on occasion, would make stuff up because coaches were apparently not talking, coming out of halftime. And, and then, you know, uh, today she put out a statement that um, it's the elephant in the room. It sure is. Uh, I have a responsibility to myself and my employers to clarify what is being reported. When on a podcast this week, I said I would make up reports early in my career when I worked as a sideline reporter before I transitioned to my current host role. Working in media, I understand how important words are, and I chose the wrong words to describe the situation. I'm sorry. I've never lied about anything or been unethical during my time as a sports broadcaster. And then she wrote, in absence of a coach providing any information that I could further my report, I would use information that I learned and saw during the first half to create my report. For example, if a team was 0 for 7 on third down, that would clearly be an area they need to improve on in the second half. And these instances, I've never attributed anything I said to a player or coach, which, I mean, straight up, I have nothing but but respect for sideline reporters and for the tireless work they put in behind the scenes and on the field. Something she did say, by the way, in the soundbite before the one that was disseminated. Uh, I'm only appreciative and humbled to work alongside some of the best in the business and call them some of my best friends. And I'm sure she's referring to her podcast made Aaron Andrews who apparently on a podcast of theirs earlier they both said that this this is not the first time they had mentioned this type of uh reporting and um you know straight up I mean again 
I just went all in on my alma mater earlier. Um, that's not what she said on on uh, part by take. It wasn't like oh for seven. This it was using the coach speak and coach cliches as um, uh, a, a space filler where she didn't need to spill any fill any space, and that's the. That's the part of this that's so frustrating, and I don't blame the sideline reporters for being so upset because they are not space fillers. They are not. I just came off of games with Jamie Erdahl and Stacey Dales and Sarah Walsh, and they worked their asses off. And that's what this glib comment about, yeah, you know, coaches weren't talking or whatever, so I just made it up. And she also said one time, I guess on her own podcast, that Rod Marinelli said something completely inappropriate. And so she just made something up because she's not going to call Rod out on the air was the implication. And Susie was on the business end of that stuff too. Chuck Amato of NC State, one time she did a sideline report with him. She said, is there anything that you could see? You know, she's running off to the, the, the locker room at half. Is there anything that you see you can attack in the second half? And he looked at her and said, yeah, you. As, and then she ran after him right. and asked more questions. And Gary Thorne even said, you know, she's running like Hudson, who was our dog at the time, you know. And, and it's a tough job in anything that makes it seem like it's a space filler or anything else other than what it is, which is a crucial part of a broadcast with dynamite journalists, is, is beyond the pale. It's the only way to put it. And I'm, I'm assuming Carissa regrets it. She should be apologizing to everybody in the business right now. Straight up. If that's in fact what she seemed to do, and that's what she said she did, and now that it's being appropriately called on the carpet. So, and everybody was responding, well, I don't listen to sideline reporters anyway. It's like, okay, so you didn't want to know what was happening to Joe Burrow last night? You didn't want to know about any of these stories? What's going on? Yeah, you do. And these people are doing that job. And anything, I don't blame them for going all in on this. So that's my two cents on the subject matter on that front. Hour number three, Rod Woodson coming up here on the show. And also, again, just so everyone understands the mechanics of it, sideline reporters aren't there, you know, just um, pouncing on coaches as they come out of the locker room. This is set up throughout the week. It's set up throughout the week and when, when, um, and, 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 and the production meeting. That was the last thing we said as a group to Belichick before he left our production meeting. He's like, hey, Sarah's going to talk to you after, you know, your halftime coming out on the field, second half. Cool with that? Yeah. Some of them, we say, can we do it on camera? And then some of them will say, no, not really. Or they'll say yes, and then they're getting their asses kicked, and they're saying, then they'll say no. Right. So there's no, there's no shame of any reporter not getting a coach. And I don't, I don't know of any producer that would put any pressure on somebody to do it if they didn't get it from the interview. So the whole thing is just terribly unfortunate. You know, and the whole, like, the Twitter pile on is just as bad as, as, as what Carissa said. It's the glibness of it. And how every single sideline reporter, if anybody said anything glib about my job, damn straight I would tweet back at it. Right. 
if even if 25, 30 other hosts were tweeting about it, I would add my two cents because this is my livelihood. And I think deep down, Carissa knows that there's a bunch of people in the business that are rightfully pissed off. And there's a lot of healing to be done within our industry. I understand for sports fans, you might feel differently from your end of things. Hour three coming up.